You can subscribe to The Leader through your podcast provider to make sure you don't miss out on the Evening Standard's news, analysis and commentary every day at 4pm. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. A deportation flight carrying 17 offenders to Jamaica has gone ahead, but 25 are still in the UK. There's been a problem with phone signals, O2 phone signals, in the area of the detention centres where they're held. They weren't able to get the proper legal advice. Our Home Affairs editor, Martin Bentham, explains the legal row over mobile phones that stopped some of those due to leave from flying. Also... If we start now, services could be running services could be running by the end of the decade. HS2 finally gets the green light, while the Evening Standard wants it to start without more delay. And he was clearly a very popular member of the Pembroke College Oxford uh, middle common room. He, um, he ran the bar. Ahead of the New Hampshire primary, we take a look at the Democrats' surprise frontrunner Pete Buttigieg's early years at Oxford. University. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the deportation flight that's taking some offenders to Jamaica but left others behind. Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. While demonstrators protested outside Parliament last night, lawyers for passengers on a deportation flight to Jamaica were making their case to the appeal court. Very late, the ruling came, ordering the Home Office not to carry out the scheduled flight as planned over concerns mobile phone outages had stopped some of the proposed passengers getting legal advice in detention. It went ahead anyway, but with 25 of the original 42 people not on board. Our Home Affairs Editor Martin Bentham is here. Martin, who was on this plane? Well, the the people who have been deported are a group of Jamaican nationals who have committed uh, serious offences. The question mark over some of their cases, at the very least, from the campaign groups and from Labour and so on, is that some of them came over here as very young children. Some of them came over here as children who are much older and obviously... we're not quite sure of every single individual in there, but there will be probably people who are adults when they came over as well. But the, the focus has been on those who came here as children don't have a great deal of connection or or any connection according to those who represent them with Jamaica and feel that their lives are here and that they're being unfairly, in their view, removed from this country. And the idea is that 
because they'd grown up in the UK, they were more the UK's problem than Jamaica's, and it was unfair to send them across to that country. That's what the allegation is, although although there is that argument about whose responsibility they are, and also the debate tends to be coming a little bit from, in the, in the particular cases that we're hearing about, from the individuals themselves, not about the moral responsibility of the country's concern necessarily, but about the plight of the individuals and the fact that they're being, as they see it, ripped out of where they, where they grew up, where they know, uh, into a, an environment which they in essence see as a an alien foreign environment to them even though technically they are of that nationality now as i understood it the, the flight has gone but i thought that the court of appeal had ordered it to not leave how has that happened what actually happened was that the there's been a problem with phone signals o2 phone signals in the area of the detention centers uh, where they're held and that the uh, a campaign group called Detention Action, which has been fighting a very tenacious battle on this, um, argued in essence that they weren't able to get the proper legal advice and the Court of Appeal in this late night ruling uh, upheld that. that they and the, the ruling therefore was that they could not be deported unless the Home Office was satisfied and could show that they had had access, a proper phone signal and access therefore to legal advice which people are entitled to before they're removed. So those 25 remain in the country and as things proceed could be some time. It could be some time. It's impossible to predict in any of these type of cases how long it takes. And, and the, the simple matter is that these deportation flights do not take place every other day. They, they take some time to organise. And it, yes, it could be a considerable time. And of course, many of them may end up getting bail. Then there could be an issue with where they then are, whether they attend, whether they comply with any subsequent deportation order. So there's all that uh, complexity. And the Home Office's point is that... Um, that they include some people committed who've committed offences such as rape, manslaughter, violent offences. They've done bad things. Their their counter argument is in in some cases, although we don't know all their offending history and their personal circumstances, but some of them have have tried to claim at the very least that they have only made one mistake in their lives and they're being punished for it. Well, we don't actually know at this stage the precise detail of every single case and exactly their personal circumstances. Um, and, and so I think our position would be that you need to look very carefully at the individual cases, but the broad principle is correct, that if people who are not British citizens uh, in effect abuse the hospitality of this country, however long they've been here, that there is a price to pay sometimes. And obviously most people don't commit these type of crimes and the public needs does need protecting from people committing serious crimes. Next. HS2 is go. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. It's behind schedule, it's over budget, but HS2 is going ahead. We can consign the next generation 
to overcrowding, standing up in the carriageways, or we can have the guts to take a decision. No matter how difficult, unlike the party opposite, by the way, Mr. Speaker, uh, no matter how difficult and how controversial, that will deliver prosperity to every part of the country. At least most of it's going ahead. Phase 1, connecting London to Euston, and Phase 2A, which goes to Crewe, have been approved. Phase 2B, between Manchester and Leeds, is under review. So as we draw up this plan, we're not asking whether it's Phase 2B or not 2B. That is not the question, Mr Speaker. The question is how we can bring a transport revolution to the north sooner. And together, this revolution in transport, in local and national transport, has the potential to be truly transformative for the entire country. The cost of phase one is projected at 35 to 45 billion pounds. Total costs could be more than 100 billion. But the Evening Standard's editorial column says it's a project that has to be completed. It's hardly surprising that Boris Johnson has seen sense. No administration serious about levelling up parts of the country could cancel the single most important project to rebalance the economic geography of England. No prime minister, who quite rightly likes to be associated with big infrastructure, could cancel the biggest infrastructure project of them all. And let's cut to the chase. No Conservative Party trying to win re-election this May for Andy Street, the mayor of the West Midlands, was going to go ahead with a cancellation which he said would set back the revival of the area by decades. Mr Street was right and the Downing Street advisers, who have been overruled, are wrong. HS2 is a huge boost for the Midlands and for the north of England. More buses and cycle lanes are fine, but they are no substitute for this transformational scheme. And you can read comprehensive coverage of the HS2 announcement in the Evening Standard or online at standard.co.uk. Now. The Iowa caucus was a disaster for the Democrats, a counting shambles from which no clear winner emerged. Tonight they go again. This time it's New Hampshire, voting for its pick for the party's nomination to take on Donald Trump. Polling suggests Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg are the front runners. Mr Buttigieg is the outsider who few had heard of, except perhaps in Oxford. The man who would be president studied philosophy, politics and economics at university there and the Evening Standard's Sam Fishwick's been looking at what he got up to as a student. Sam, what did you learn? He was clearly a very popular member of the Pembroke College Oxford uh, middle common room. He um, he ran the bar, which is always the the key to uh, many friendships at university, uh, where he introduced a whiskey club. So he clearly had, you know, a lot of extracurricular activities when he wasn't, you know, reading Joyce or studying economics or uh, learning philosophy. He was a busy man. He certainly gives the impression of being someone who's very serious and, and probably set his sights on being the president early. Is there any dirt on him, Sam? Uh, well, we know he snuck his way onto, uh, it's reported, I should say, that he snuck his way onto a, a North Sea freighter when he needed to lock himself away and revise for his finals, uh, which is one way of getting a little bit of peace of mind. 
how do you sneak onto a North Sea freighter? Yeah, this is something I, I don't have the answer to. I'm afraid this is this is again part of uh, the sort of apocryphal Pete Buttigieg, um, a, you know, a reported story, a rumored story, a story, a story whispered in the in the annals of uh, college law. Uh, but I'm, I'm told that was, um, you know, it, it was such a sort of vivacious troop at Pembroke at the time that this was um, this is the, the only place to get any sort of peace and quiet. Seems to have studied hard then during his time. What do people remember most about him then? What kind of things are they talking about? People may remember him uh, giving fantastic speeches. He presented one of the three uh, college dinners and is said to have spoke phenomenally. You know, he was a he was a team player, uh, volunteered for anything he could put his name to and clearly a highly valued member of um, of the sort of Pembroke community. So what was he doing here? Why was he at Pembroke? He won a Rhodes Scholarship, uh, which um, I'm sure listeners will know is uh, what brought Bill Clinton to Oxford in the first place. So again, you're seeing the sort of pathway to, um, you know, the White House being set out from a very young age. Although Rhodes Scholars will always tell you that um, in fact, the presidency was far too sort of uh, uncool um, for a Rhodes Scholar. We'll have coverage of the New Hampshire vote in our audio news bulletins available from 7am. Just ask your smart speaker for the news from the Evening Standard. And that's The Leader. We're back at 4pm tomorrow.